Chapter Eight of the Sick Man's Comfort Book by Reverend P. B. Power. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Marianne. Chapter Eight: A Comfort in Our Being a Trouble to Others. All our trouble in time of illness does not come simply on our own account. Very often, our illness makes us sad on account of dear ones on whom we are made dependent, upon whom this illness must exercise some pressure. It will lay more upon them, perhaps more of our work, or at any rate, it will take more of their time, perhaps of their means, and the thought of that is a great aggravation to our trouble. It may be that such a thought as this comes from a proud heart, for there are some who would not be beholden to others for anything, and if this be the case, God will bring down this pride. It is not like Christ not to be beholden to anyone for anything. He was beholden to many and for many things. There were women who ministered to him of their substance. He was ready to be under obligation to the woman of Samaria for a cup of water, and to the man who owned the upper chamber for the use of it for the Passover. And, no doubt, many a night's lodging had he for which he thanked those who gave it to him. There were those who took trouble about him, and walking the earth as a man with human needs, he was willing not only to give, but also to receive. But perhaps it comes from a sensitive heart. Some people, no doubt, are not sensitive, but others are, and their state of illness generally makes them still more so, and under these circumstances we may, and often do, worry ourselves into a state of great misery. Now what has our comfort book to say under these circumstances? First of all, it says, Do your friends and those who minister to you consider you such a trouble as you fear yourself to be? Have you any reason to think they do? It sometimes happens that we estimate things by our own sick querulousness, in which we count everything a trouble. And then, as everything is to us, every feather or straw a burden, so we think it is to them. To you, my sick friend, it may be a great burden even to hold up a book. It may tire you very much to walk a few steps. You cannot talk for five minutes at a time. But you must not measure your friends round about you by yourself. You and they are under different circumstances altogether. They don't make a burden of things, as you do. It is quite natural that you should make a burden of them. It is equally natural that they should not. So here is a comfortable thought at the very outset. Your friends in health do not probably think you to be such a trouble at all. But consider not only the health, but the love of those who minister to you. You are probably attended to by some who love you from relationship, or, it may be, who are nothing to you at all in blood, but they have an affection for you, and in the power of that affection they serve. Now, love makes no account of trouble. On the other hand, it rejoices in opportunities of showing itself and counts many a thing which is troublesome in itself, no trouble at all because of the one for whom it is done. Even the natural kindliness which we feel towards the sick, you must take into account. You would feel it towards others. They feel it towards you. It is the spirit in which a thing is done that very often determines the amount of trouble in it, and those who minister to you do so in a loving spirit, and therefore they count their troubles small. Then there is another comfort, 
God will reward those who minister to us for what they do for his sake. You must not think that those who are doing anything for you are doing so without any prospect of reward. Perhaps you cannot give them much, or even anything. But there is one who notes all they do, and who in his own time and way will reward them. If you have a full belief in that, it will be a great comfort. We shall thus feel that we are not taking the labor of those who are kind to us, for naught. God will return it all, many times, into their bosom. And we must pray that he will do so. And in so praying, if we have any belief in our own prayers, we shall find much comfort. Yes, we, even we, the poor, helpless ones, who have but little to give, are blessing them. We are making a return to them. Your Father, who undertakes everything for you, will be your paymaster as well as everything else. Let your heart be comforted in the thought that, in his own way, he will repay all you owe. Who knows how he will do this? And should we want to know? Faith is not always wanting to know. Perhaps others will do for those who are helping you, just as you have done for them. You may be sure that their time of need will come, and you may pray that, in that time of need, their want may be supplied. Pray in earnestness and faith, and then be comforted in the thought that you have blessed those who have ministered to you. But, you say, it seems very humiliating, very sad, to be so dependent on others. Well, consider this. The law of dependence is to be found everywhere. We must all be dependent, one upon another, in some form, and you are only filling up one side of the law of dependence. God has appointed you to be the one to depend, even as he appointed your kind friends to be the ones to be depended on. You are in your place in God's great plan, and perhaps you are the means he uses for giving your friends an opportunity of filling up the other side of the law of dependence by ministering to you and so receiving the blessing that belongs to ministry. Remember, how Jesus came under this law when he received the ministry of others, and how Paul did so. And in the history of the greatest men, instances are continually coming up in which they did so also. And now, it is a further comfort to think that, in many instances, we may save those who are in ministry to us. In times of illness, wants, especially little wants, are unfortunately many. Now, we may try and limit these wants. Sometimes a little forethought will save those who wait on us a great deal of trouble. The sick bed or armchair are not without their opportunities for thoughtfulness and self-denial. At any rate, we may limit our complaints. I do not mean to say that we should not ever tell sympathizing friends something of what we suffer, but we need not weary them with our complaints, as some people do. And it will be a comfortable feeling that we are sparing them a knowledge of all that we are going through ourselves. And then we may return gratitude, and that shown and expressed, so that those around us will feel that we appreciate what they do for us. I do not believe in the silent system altogether. I think that the expression of gratitude gives pleasure, and that it encourages our friends and makes them feel that their labor is not in vain, and it is a comfortable thought that we have this much within our reach. Here is another comfort. God gives to those who are willing to serve him in ministry to the bodies of others the feelings and the patience which are suitable to such a situation. There are many who are ministering to others in a strength not their own at all, but God's, 
perhaps, those who minister to you have such strength. If they have not, and you ask it for them, they will get it, and then the idea of trouble will not easily come into their minds. It is also a comfort that the feelings with which others minister to us are often very much affected by what we are, and consequently in this matter of being a trouble to them, we have something in our power. We are not stretched upon our beds altogether helpless. If then we try to be cheerful, if we are grateful, if we show ourselves pleased, if we appreciate and make much of what is done for us, we shall make the task of those who minister to us lighter, and to be able to do that should be a comfort. And think of this. Who knows what opportunities we may have of repaying in the other life the kindness which have been shown to us on our sick beds? To go far into such a thought as this would no doubt be speculation, but it may be that hereafter, when there will be an opportunity for the play of all the finer feelings of our nature, gratitude will not be left out. If Jesus says, I was sick and you visited me, and because of that kindness repays a thousandfold, we may rest assured that the followers will not be worse off than the master. We can see no reason why there should not be giving and receiving in heaven in all the interchange of love. We shall not consider it the highest happiness to keep everything to ourselves. If there be holy relationships in heaven, which have had their first germ and root on earth, we may well believe that which exists between the one who ministers and the one who is ministered to will be one of them. So then, be comforted, even in being a burden to others. Sad as the thought is, it has its alleviations. If the thought is a gracious and shrinking one, you may use all these consolations and find blessing in them. But if the thought is a proud one, and you rebel at your helplessness, and are too proud to be dependent on anyone, then God has made no provision for such thoughts, and you must bear them as best you can. The waters of comfort cannot run up the hills of pride. They fall down into the valleys of humility. Here, as everywhere else, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. We need not be downhearted. Even this phase of our affliction has its alleviations, and its comforts too. End of chapter 8